Blog Talk Radio. Almost exactly what I need A definite maybe It's short to entice But curiosity I can't help but think that this doesn't add I'm trying to separate the facts from all the we're living in a world of contradiction And if baby you're the truth Then I'm lying next to you When you're the distance and I'll be your one And you're the perfect man I never thought of I don't want to do this on my own And you shouldn't have to be alone I would rather be alone together Good evening, good evening, good evening, and welcome to Loveline Radio. Tonight, our very special guest is Federline Charles. Federline, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes. Am I saying your name right, first of all? Uh, It's pronounced Federline, but thank you for asking. Federline, I'm sorry. Yes. It's okay. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks for asking. And welcome to the Love Line. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So tell me and my listeners some about you. Um, I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York. Um, oh. I I'm originally from Flatbush, Brooklyn, and I grew up in I grew up living with I'm um sorry I lived with family members for a short period of time, and then I was mm-hmm. ev- eventually I signed myself into foster care, and um I've been writing my whole life. Uh, let me see. My, I lost my mom when I was about two years old. That's kind of where my um, my life changed, I guess, you know. And from there, I was in an abusive family for a while. And then around maybe the age of 12, I got pregnant, and I was sent away because my family's originally from Haiti. I'm a first-generation Haitian-American, so I was born here. So once I got pregnant, I was sent away. And being a first-generation American, my family and pregnant at 12, my family had no idea, you know, in, the, in Haiti what to do with me. So eventually I was taken to another okay. Caribbean island where I lived with my grandfather for about a year or so, and then I gave birth to my daughter, and then I was taken back to Haiti. 
and I spent some time in Haiti, but then I, I had to come back to New York, but I couldn't bring my daughter with me. So that's what led me to sign myself into the foster care system. And then once I was in foster care, you know, my life started to change for the better. I was, you know, able to actually just live as a normal teenager, go to school, and then I became pregnant again around 16, 15, and I had my son. And that really, really changed my life from there. I just, you know, it was I had somebody I had to depend on that was depending, I mean, I had somebody depending on me. So it was important that I changed my life in a positive way because everything had always been so negative. So, and throughout my life, I've been, I've always, um, I love to read and I love to write. So that kept me, you know, that kept me going. It kept me, you know, in a different mindset. And that's what helped me to continue to live and be positive. Wow. Amen. Well, thank you for that. Is a powerful testimony. Um. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I always feel like you know I'm like an open book. When people meet me, I really never have a problem telling my story. If you ask me a question, I'm right. pretty honest because there's always other people out there that are going through what you're going through, and you don't even know it. You know that's one of the biggest things I learned in the group home. You know when I started to ask other girls why they were in the house because there was always a stereotype behind group home girls. So when I started to ask other girls why, you know, they were here, you know, because they had parents. So I couldn't understand if you had a mother and you had a dad, you had grandparents, why would you be in a group home? And when they would tell me certain things that happened in their life, to be honest with you, I went through a lot of tough things like, you know, abuse, physical, verbal, as well as um, sexual abuse. And I wouldn't change. I wouldn't trade my experiences for some of their experiences. Mm-hmm. I was baffled by some of the things that the girls told me, and it was amazing. You know, and it's it's a journey. My journey has been so amazing, and you know, I wouldn't trade it in for the world because it's taught me so so much. Absolutely, we all um, have our own story to tell and our own journeys. That's right. And every time I think. Can't nobody have be dealing with anything worse than what I've dealt with. Yeah. Somebody comes. Somebody comes along and blows my mind, and I'm. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, that's know. right. Every time. Okay. And you take you take I, your little I, problem and you stick it back in your pocket. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, okay, God, I see. I, I see. I'm blessed. I'm gonna shut up now. You mm-hmm. know because. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very very true. So uh, tell me about your um, book, your poetry book. How did you, how did you release that? Um, it's a picture poetry book. It's um, photos okay. done by um, by my partner. He loves photography, and he, you know, it's just a hobby of his. And we've we've been we've traveled to different places, and he took a lot of pictures. And I was, you know, I was. Is, I'm. This is my first published book and I did self-publish but prior to that you know I did a lot of research about traditional publishing and I tried entering my poems into contests trying to get my manuscript out there just trying to get people to know who I am or trying to get some kind of feedback is my work good you know because it's easy to you know um, tell you know read a poem to a family member or a friend and they're like oh that's great that's wonderful you know but you really want to hear from strangers as well you want to know it's capturing people that don't even know you, you know, so I was having a hard time finding that, and people kept saying, you know, you should try self-publishing, 
So I started doing the research on that, and I came across this great site, Blurb.com, that you can make picture picture books, you know. And once I realized you could add the text to the picture book, I was like, oh, this is great. So I just went on the home computer, We and I noticed he has, like, an in, endless supply of pictures. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to use some of these pictures with my poems. And that's what I did. I just found the pictures that went well with each poem. And he has such a great eye for the world, for people for everything, that his pictures capture, you know, my words. And you would think that the picture was taken first and the poem was done later, but it's just, it just right. comes together so beautifully. That was, that was straight up God orchestrated because, you know, nothing else a match like that other yeah. than something that he has together himself. That's great. Um Will you read us one of your uh, poems? Um, sure. I can. I can read you "Identity Crisis." Um, okay. All right. I was born on American soil, the product of one immigrant parent and one left behind. At home, I was a respectful Haitian child. In school, I was an American running wild. I'm a Haitian girl, an American girl, a Haitian-American girl. Haitians call me Jaspoa, while Americans call me immigrant. So what is my identity? Are these labels who I have to be? It's just a description of pieces of me. There's more to me than what you see. Venture to foreign territories where Americans were viewed as cruel and cold. American advised, don't act Haitian. They, they dress funny and steal your soul. Caribbeans won, don't act black. Everyone hates black. Television taught, it's not good to be a girl, but if you're going to be a girl, the worst thing you could be is a black girl. They have big lips and loud voices, fight all the time, and make bad choices. Their hair is thick and knotted. They don't like to work, and education, they ain't got it. They said men like small figures with stringy hair. Pile on the makeup until your skin is fair. They said girls were clean and wore dresses. Well, my favorite attire was denim clothes and making messes. I ran fast, hit hard, playing sports was a joy until I was told to stop acting like a boy. I wish someone would have told me I was priceless before society caused me to have an identity crisis. I'm a footnote, a stereotype, an outcast, a black sheep. Lord, these labels could cut so deep. I'm the cousin, the other, the girl with no mother. I'm a nomad, a gypsy, a drifter, a loner. All these characterizations converted me into a stoner. Like a puzzle piece placed in the wrong box, I will never fit in. Therefore, I mastered being comfortable in my own skin. Can't let these labels hold me down. I hold my head up high and adjust my crown. I identify myself as a queen, and that's the only label I'll allow. Wow. Wow. Bravo. If I had the clap button, I would put <laughs> Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but that was awesome. That really was awesome. Um, thank you. Yeah, poetry is wonderful. It's wonderful. It's. I tell people if you, you know, just write. You know, everybody has something to say, and it's. We all have it in a different way. You know, it's. It's. It's wonderful. I, I find it as a great release. Absolutely, that's uh, that's amazing, and it's funny you actually just answered uh, my next question because I was just going to ask you, do you have any advice for aspiring 
writers or poets? Um, um, my my main thing is never give up. You know, never give up. You know, it's um it's a blessing to have such a talent. You know, you don't realize that being able to put words together and show an emotion that most people can't, most people have but don't know how to express. That's why I titled my book Words Left Unspoken, because there's so many of us out there that have so much that we hold inside and we want to say, but we have no idea how to express it. And, you know, the, the easiest thing is getting it down, you know, just write. Just write. You you know, don't worry about it. You'll be able to go back and correct yourself and fix whatever errors you have. And don't get discouraged by whose poem sounds. You know, like I remember the um, what got me back into writing is group. I was on Groupons and I found this poetry festival that they have in New York at Governor's Island every year. Oh, and I was like, oh wow, a poetry festival. So I said I'd go, and I said, you know what, I'll write a poem just so that I can, you know, so just in case. But I was scared. I'd never been on a stage and done anything like that before. But I said, I, you know, I wanted to just try something different, you know. So I went, I took a friend of mine, and we went, and it was beautiful. It was raining that day, but people still laid on the grass, and they enjoyed the different kinds of poetry. And I got on, um, I signed myself up for the open mic, and then there was a, a girl, a young woman who got on the stage, and her poem was amazing. And I'm like, wow, I don't even think I belong in, and you know, I belong with these people because their their poetry is so amazing, you know, and stuff like that. And then right after she gets off the stage, they called my name. So now I'm triple nervous, but I got up there and I did the poem. And I'd just written the poem maybe three days prior. And after I did it, the same woman that I was admiring, the same young lady I was admiring, she came over to me and she embraced me and she said, that was such a great poem. You are wonderful. You know, and that was like, it was just that awe moment for me. Like, you know, don't beat yourself up. You know, we are our biggest critics. So sometimes you have to tell yourself to just shut up and (laughs) you'll be all right. You know, just keep going forward. Just keep going forward, you know, and always keep the positive people in your life. It's good to have the positive people that are keep saying, Girl, you're fine. That's great. Just keep on going, you know, as opposed to those people that are like, I don't even know why you're trying this. Oh, please, most people this or most people that. It's like, no. You want to just be able to think outside the box, do something different from what others are doing, and just be happy. You know, if it's your hobby, let it be your hobby until it becomes your career. But don't give up on it, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um do your family, friends, loved ones that are in your life now, do they support your career as a, a spoken word artist and poet? Well, right now for me it's still a hobby, but they, you know, and and I'm still working towards it being my career. I would love that. But, yes, I have a wonderful, wonderful support system. You know, after everything I went through as a young child, the family right. that, you know, I've I've been blessed to have, you know, I always say it's the family that God gave me because I have, you know, my group home sisters, I have 
work family. I have, um, I still have my blood relatives, and you know, so I have a great, great foundation of people that have been there with me, and they're the one, um, you know, all of the people are the ones that are like, you know, when are you going to write your book? When are you going to write your book? And you know, they were expecting me to, you know, write the book about my life, and you know, that's coming. But right now, you know, I was working in the um poetry on the poetry stuff, so I was like, you know what? And once they started to read it, they, you know, everybody was just like, you know, I didn't even know you were this good, and it was it, it was amazing. It's really really been amazing to see support from your friends and family. It is it is it's a wonderful thing. It really is. That's that is such a blessing. Um, and just from hearing the one piece that you did, because I didn't get a chance to preview um, your work ahead of the interview, but just hearing you recite that one piece, you are absolutely phenomenal. Um, thank you. Thank you. And so, you know, with that note, you will have to be marked on International Women's Day as um, a phenomenal woman, <laughs> as one of my favorite poets, the late, great Dr. Maya Angelou. That's um, right. In fact, I recited that poem at my high school graduation. So, you know, that's one of my favorite pieces ever. Yes, it's a poem that when even when you're reading it, it 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 it, like it captures an emotion that is just so. Oh, yes, yes, I know. I've read that poem over and over. It's wonderful. Absolutely. Um. Excuse me. So you said that you are working on, currently working on your the life story based. I mean, the book based on your life story, right? Yes. Drowning blood. Awesome. Yes, I'm currently working on oh, that. Wow. So I'm, yeah, I'm looking to um to, to have it published by the end of the year. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. What a title! Wow, drowning. Yeah, yeah. Woo! <laughs> I mean, of course, I guess I have a really vivid imagination. So when you say something like that, I just like actually picture a woman literally drowning in a pool of her own blood. Yeah, um, and that—that's what it feels like, you know. That's what it felt like to me as a young woman. And just having my whole family turn their backs on me, and just you know having people just mistreat me in so many different ways. It just, and for them to be family, it just felt like, you know, and then it was just like when I start, when I, my friends, you know, I had a best friend in elementary school who her family was wonderful to me, you know, and then um, I ended up having two great best friends because I ended up with one from elementary school and one from junior high school, and both their parents were amazing. So, you know, I used to always hear that blood is thicker than water, blood is thicker than water, and then I used to always feel like, Ah, water's good for you, too, because water was great to me, you know. It it, 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 it quenched me very much. It cleansed me, if anything. So, yeah. Um, I have have some water that's been thicker than blood, and I have some Mm -hmm. blood that's been thicker than water. So, you Mm -hmm. know, I'm I'm grateful for all of it. That's Um, right. Absolutely. 
if you were to turn your upcoming um, novel or autobiography into a movie, what actress could you see playing you? Playing me? Um, uh-huh. It would have to be somebody very strong, blunt, and she has to be dark-skinned. You know, I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, I just would, I want somebody that represents me completely. Right, um, right. Viola Davis, yeah, that's who I was thinking, Viola Davis. You know, even though I honestly, in order, but I, I wouldn't want a famous actress though. I'd, I'd rather, I'd love if they would allow me to help pick out the actress because I'd like somebody that was fresh and new but very talent, but talented. You know, right? <laughs> Absolutely, that would be so cool. But it's funny when you said Viola Davis because I was looking at your picture and I said Viola Davis. Oh, right as you said it out loud, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, she reads my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I was looking for somebody that she's a, you know, when she in in her in movies that I've watched, she's very strong. She's very um blunt in her way, and those, you know, those right. are some of my characteristics. Very proud, you know, and I, I really, I, I like that. But I, I like I said, I would enjoy somebody new. You know, somebody new, somebody fresh, but that'd be cool. Either way, I'd be excited to have a a movie about my book. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. Um, And one thing about Viola is every role she plays, she's so believable. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. For me, especially when she played Aveline and... um, the help. In the help, oh, yes. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. Yes, great, great, great. She, she, She's great. She's a great actress. Great, great, great. A great example of, you know, you do a job to the, you do what you do, what you love to the best of your ability, you know, and you do right. it with a poise, you know, like just really, she's great. She's really great. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, that would be so cool. I would love to see that. I'm like, I'm like, Me ready too. to see this movie. Look, isn't even out yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. So, uh, where do you see yourself in the next five years? In the next five years, I would like to be mm-hmm. an. I would I in the next 5 years I'd see myself as an established author. Um I would love to open a production company to help other writers, you know, because the information is so everywhere and you have to go through so much just to answer one question that I would love to help people and you know and not charge them the, so much money. It's it's incredible, you know, how many people are feeding off of somebody's um talent, you know. So, yeah, I'd see myself mm-hmm. as an established writer trying to help others. Cool. That's really cool. Um, getting in for the love of helping others. Mm-hmm. It is a blessing when we can be a blessing to other people. Um, absolutely. And um, who are some of your favorite authors? Um. 
I'm I never stick to like um a particular person. I tend to just I just read, you know. Most of the time I can't even tell you that I've looked at the author of a book because I'm the kind of person, like, if I'm walking past a church and they're giving away free books, I'm going to pick them up and I'm going to put them on my bookshelf. And then I'll just take one and read it as I'm, you know, traveling to work. And then I'll say, the book is so good. And then somebody will ask me, okay, what's the title of the book? Who wrote the book? I'd probably remember the title, but I wouldn't remember the author, you know. But um, as far as when I started to... When I started to um I started to learn about um black poets. I went to college just a couple of years ago and I took a black um black um well African American studies and I was learning about the um the Renaissance and everything like that and um learning about salt migration and stuff. I really enjoyed Langston Hughes' poetry. He is amazing, like so amazing, very yeah. captivating. I really, really, really enjoyed it. And um, even um, W.E.B. Du Bois, if you've ever read his um, his book, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't, um, I can't think of the name of the book now. But you know, he has ex- excerpts where he just um, he has little poems, excerpts, and it's just amazing right. to see how far back, you know, you know, our, our people was doing poetry and how great, how they were able to capture the emotion, the feeling of the time. And when you read the words, you can feel it. You can feel the emotion. You can yeah. feel every blood, every tear. You know, it's I, I really, really enjoy. I think I, I enjoy those poems a whole lot, you know. But Langston Hughes, I have to say, I really, really, really enjoyed reading his stuff. And then when I started reading Maya Angelou, it was like, whoo. Yep, so, yeah, I just yeah. I just love to read. I'll, I'll even smell a book just for the, the, just for the scent of a book. I love, love books. I love right. reading. I love writing. Absolutely, me too. Uh, I always have. <laughs> It takes you away. It really, really takes you away. I think yes, the does. my most the 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 book that I read that's been my favorite thus far uh-huh. has been um, Great Expectations, written by Charles Dickinson. I was wow, so proud okay. of myself because the book it's a, I think it's about five hundred and some odd pages long, but it's an incredible, incredible read, you know. And it has so many lessons in there to learn about yourself, about how you view yourself through the eyes of others, you know. It's it's an amazing, amazing read, and I think I read it maybe what four years ago now, and I still I still love it. That's awesome. That is awesome. Um, you have inspired me to do something I haven't done in years, and that share a um, poem that I've written, if it's okay. Of course. I'd I. love to hear it. All right. This is entitled Appreciation. Mm-hmm. I've had to learn to love me from every angle. From the top of my head to the sole of my feet, from the thickness of my belly to the roundness of my thighs, to the kiss of my smile, I now love me appreciatively. I mean, it's a short little piece. 
Oh no, a poem could be two words. That is beautiful. Right. That is beautiful, and it's so true. Like we have to learn to love ourselves. It's not something that you're born with. You know, like society throws so much different things at us, and I don't care if you're a man or a woman. This goes to everybody. Right. You know, so many different things are thrown out. So many expectations from family, from strangers, from everybody, and. In order, and I always tell people, in order to truly love another person, you really have to love yourself. Like you can't tell people that you love them if you, you if your self esteem is low, if you if you you have so much on your conscience and all this other stuff. You have to truly sit back and embrace your good, your bad, your ugly, and love you for every part of that. I love the poem. Right. Very, very beautiful. Very nice. You. Thank you very much. Thank you for um, reminding me how I fell in love with the written word in the first place. Um, It's been a long time since I've got to deal with just poetry. And poetry, Um, is there such a big poetry world out there? You know, I'm from New York, but I recently moved to New Jersey right across the bridge. And, you know, I started to feel a bit, like, depressed out here. And then um, one of the people I connected with at the last um, the last event on Governor's Island, he put me in touch mm-hmm. with other um, with poets that are in Newark. And I met this great couple, this guy named Godsent, and he runs this, this show called Verses, and he runs it twice a month. And it's wonderful because he runs it for free. You know, he doesn't even pay for admissions. Everybody comes in and you read a poem, you know, and it's such a release. There are days that I didn't even feel like going, and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go. And, you know, we'll go. And everything I was feeling throughout the day, it's all washed away. And, I'm, all, you know, I feel so refreshed after I leave the show. And, you know, there's so many shows out there all over the country like that, you know. Spoken word is really, it's it's a great thing. It really is. And just to get more people into poetry, because one of the things when I was putting my book together, I'd hear my friends would say, you know, I'd hear my friends say that they, that they, um, that, oh, you know, I like your poem. I'm not really into poetry. And I guess it's certain types of poetry that tend to, like, push people away when they have to, you know, have to figure things out or they don't understand where the person's coming from and stuff like that. They don't understand where the person's coming from. Yeah. A true love of written words will figure it out, and it'll just it'll click, even if it doesn't make logical sense. It'll touch their spirit to where it still clicks and it doesn't even matter. So, uh, absolutely. Yes, yes, that's, yeah, you know, and it's it's just about finding what works for you, because I've been to so many different poetry events, and I'll be honest, there are some places, sometimes I hear a poem and I'm like, I don't know what this lady's talking about, she lost me, or what is he saying, you know, and it's, but there are people that, that, that were enthralled in it and knew exactly what was going on, you know, so it's just like, you know, it's just like different things for, you know, different strokes for different folks, so, yeah, but I think poetry's great. Everybody, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if you had to choose any other genre other than um, spoken word and 
of course, your um, biography, what would you choose? I choose them all because I do not, I don't constrict myself in a box. I'll never say, you know, I'm a, I'm a writer slash poet, you know. I don't consider that, I, you know, I, if, if I read a story and then I, I, I like the way, I'm like, you know, I got to try because I'm also, I'm doing a couple of projects. I'm also writing a fictional novel about, um, just a, yeah, I'm writing a fictional novel. A couple of years, um, last year, this young lady passed away and, I lived in this complex, and I remember she didn't live in the complex. She lived outside the complex, but she ventured into the complex, and, you know, it was a low-income complex, so you got a lot of things going going on, and it was just an exciting place for her. And eventually she, um, she became a drug addict. And I just feel like there are certain stories, there's stories that you hear over and over again about the hood and stuff like that. And then there's these stories that you never, ever, ever hear about. You know, you always hear about the person that was the crack, that's the crackhead, but you never hear how it came to be. You know, most of the time you don't really get the depth of, okay, somebody spiked a, a, a marijuana joint or, you know, somebody, you know, somebody did, you know, it's not always, oh, this person picked up the drug and that's exactly how it happened. They just went off, you know, and um, I think those stories need to be told. So I'm also working on a fictional because my non-fictional narrative, it's already in my, you know, it's bad memory. I, it happens. I know what happened, so I'm able to just get that down. Fiction, I lo- um, fiction, I love because of the fact that you create characters, and most of the time you don't know where you're going until you get there. You know, I'll 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 create a character in my mind, and then once I start typing. Who I, who I expected her to be or who I wanted her to be is not even who she turns into. She turns into somebody completely different. And that's, I love that about yeah. fiction, writing fiction. It's, it's incredible. And another thing I challenged myself to do was um, write short stories. So I started to write um, a couple of short stories. But, and I, my, I noticed that when I write short stories, I always have some kind of a twist at the end. So that's that was cool to you know, you discover yourself while you're writing. So that's an amazing thing too. So I don't I wouldn't say I think the the toughest genres for me, uh, that would be my thing. The toughest genres would be um sci fi. Mm-hmm. It would be sci fi and um mm-hmm. fantasy. Those are those are very, very challenging. Now you need a great imagination for that. To create a completely new world, great imagination. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, so who could you see playing the um, main character in your upcoming fictional novel? Because um, when you were describing... Um, oh, okay. Um, the The main character, there's a couple of main characters. Because um, okay. I don't know if you ever read a book called Boys and Girls. That's a great book too, and I don't really know who the author is. I'm so bad at that. But it was a, if you could uh, if you could tell me the author, I probably could. <laughs> yeah, but it it's basically that there were a couple of um there were a couple of um and um protagonists in that in the book. You know, so you had okay. you had a banker who she she had issues. You know, she 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 had self hate. 
you know, she was a, a strong-minded black woman who'd been, who'd become, who'd made it up into, you know, as a bank manager and everything like that. But when she looked at other black women, like one woman came to interview, and you know, it's the first time that I found out that people don't think that braids are professional because you know she made a statement about the girl's braids, and she was like, "That's not how a professional black woman is supposed to wear her hair and stuff like that." And I was like, "Oh wow!" But that book was great because it showed it showed black people in uh, different personalities of black people, you know, and it, it showed you the, sure. the dark skinned guy who had the, there was a dark skinned guy and he had a really, he had a complex uh, because he was teased so much when he was little by, you know, by, uh, by black girls. So, and, you know, growing up as he, when, once he became a man and he was successful, he didn't want to date black women because he felt like, you know, black women with this black women with that. And it was because of what he'd went through as a young boy, boy being teased all the time and then he also had to um, to deal with his family and their nonsense so it was a great book to show you know different people so that's kind of how you know I kind of want the book to flow I have a couple of characters I have one um teenage girl who she's um she's trying to find her way and then she loses her virginity to a drug dealer which sounds pretty normal but within a day or so he he um, started sleeping with her friend, convinced them to sniff coke and pop pills, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. And she's trying to get herself out of the situation. But now her guilt about the fact that now her friend, you know, her friend is happy. She's she's enjoying this life because she'd always been confined to her home. And they're actually first-generation African girls. That's how I made those two characters then on the flip side i have a man who went to jail because he was trying to support his family but he did a robbery so he went to jail he comes home and life has kind of changed because the mother of his children she's been doing her own thing making her own money so now she doesn't really want him back in um in her life and on his side he's trying to do everything to get his family back together you know and he's trying to do everything positive trying he got a job and he's trying to work towards it but you know it's going to be the 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 people that he's working the hardest for are going to be the people that's going to pull him down you know so that's that's basically so far where i am awesome 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 i can definitely see that and um I look forward to reading it, and I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go look it up and find out who Boys and Girls is. Yeah, Boys. And see what um, if it's not Boys and Girls, it's Sisters and Brothers. One of the two, Sisters and Brothers. I think it's Sisters and Brothers. But I'm. T- it's a. Okay. I wish I don't. Sisters and Brothers. I think that's the name of the book. <laughs> I'm so bad. I'm so sorry. I'm so. I tell you, I just. I just snatch a book off my bookshelf and go. If they're giving them away, I'm gonna read it. <laughs> Well, that's cool, though. Um, you know, authors love to hear that people just love to read. You know, it always breaks my heart when somebody says, oh, I don't read. Or yeah, I don't oh, read. I, I, it really, yeah, it saddens me. I tell you, if there, if the most important rule in my house is uh, you have to read for an hour every day. I don't ask much. I, the chores are small, but please pick up mm-hmm. a book and read for an hour. It's not going to kill you. If anything, you'll be on a journey to God knows where, enjoying something, learning something, you know? It's great. Exactly. 
Um, growing up, my parents never had to ask me to read. They had to ask me to stop reading and do whatever else. <laughs> <laughs> and on the flip side, for me, growing up, nobody. I read on my own because. I was the only person in my house who spoke English, you know? So all I had was books. All I had was books and television. So that was it for me. So a good book, I could finish a book in two days in that house, and then I'd have nobody to tell the story to. Because even after you read a book, you want to tell somebody about it, you know? Right. Like, um, I'll never forget when I first read Getting to Happy, the sequel to Waiting to Exhale. Um, by Terry McMillan, and I was visiting my mom's house, and I got to the part where, and I don't want to really give it away for people who somehow haven't read it yet, but <laughs> um, but when Gloria's husband died, I closed the book and I started crying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And my mom was like, girl, what's wrong with you? And I was like... Marvin's dead. Oh no, Marvin's dead. Marvin's dead. And my mom was talking about who, and she started panicking, trying to figure out who I'm talking about. And I think, and I held up the book, talking about Gloria's husband, Marvin. She said, "Girl, are you talking to me about a character again?" Yeah. <laughs> she said, well, right now, Marvin is a part of my life until this book is over. <laughs> yeah. Very, very true. Uh, I tell you that is it's a great thing to have people that are really willing to write to entertain, you know, because uh the journeys you take and it can never be taken from you, you know, it can never be taken from right. you. Right. Absolutely, absolutely. I love it. Uh, and I think I needed this interview tonight as much as someone else did too. Because it got to remind me why did I start writing in the first place, you know. So yeah, and this has been very special for me, and I really appreciate you coming on the Love Line tonight. Oh, I appreciate Um, you having me, having me, and I appreciate you reading your poem because I know just like you said, somebody out there heard that poem and felt like. Wow, this is me. I need to love myself, you know, and that is uh, a great thing. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So, um, do you think they want to know if you think that book covers play an important part of the buying process? Um, yes, it really does. It, it does. I when I did the research and I read a couple of articles that you know you you that and I like to do research to just find ideas for myself. So when it was time for me to put my book cover together, I knew that I had to do something that caught the attention of, you know, catches people's attention right away, you know, because people are very visual. They're very, very visual. And you need something that says, hey, pick me up right now. 
I'm very interesting, right. you know, and that's, so a book cover is very, very, very important. It is, you know, just take your time, but it is a very, very important thing because it's the, it's the first thing people see. It's like walking outside looking disheveled, you know, it's like people look at you and they're like, what's going on over here? But you walk outside, your clothes are crisp, they're clean and neat, you know, you're representing yourself properly and that's what your cover's doing. It's representing your work. Right. And, um... Yours definitely even even in picture book format. Um, yours definitely grabs that attention because nothing else that makes you look like okay. What is that in the middle? You know. Yeah, uh, and that's a picture uh, in Jamaica. Uh, it's it's an original, every photo in here is an original photo, you know, and that's what I love about it because every photo was originally taken. So um, this is a photo in Jamaica, and he decided to take the picture through the wine glass, and that's exactly how he took it. And Yeah. Yep, so we were just sitting there, and Jamaica's beautiful. And uh, there are a lot of pictures in the book from Jamaica, New Orleans, Staten Island, Manhattan, you know, because we've been to different places, and like I said, he just loves to take pictures. So, yeah. That Now, that's cool, especially the fact that he took it through the wine glass. That mm-hmm. is really, really cool. It's like, wow, man, okay. Yes, definitely. Oh, man. <laughs> I think that's cool. I'm a personal photographer right there at home with you. That's just like, yes, you know, yes, that's, yes. That's you know, everything. even when I put up, I put up the, I put up little um, poems every day, and the picture is an origin is one of his original photos, and I just put my po, um, you know, a piece of my poetry on his picture, and then that's just it. Okay. Wow. Now, does he do photography for others, or is it a hobby? Or, it's uh, it's a hobby. It's it's a hobby of his. Okay. You know, I don't even think he realized. Um, you know, when I when I started um, showing the book to people and they saw the physical copy, because it's one thing for you to see. You know, the ebook. The ebook is wonderful. It's great. I love it. You right. know, cause I have it on my phone. I have it on my um, MacBook and everything. And I love the way it looks. You hold the physical copy and you look at the pictures. And um, you know, I was happy that I went with this company. I went with Blurb.com because the quality in their print is amazing. You know, and each picture really catches you and I just watch everybody's expression as they open the book and the picture would just guide them to automatically look at my words and it and it was great it's it's great so mm-hmm. and I would tell him I was like I really want you to see how much people enjoy it and then once he got to see it he's starting to, you know he's starting to you know he's a bit shy about it so he's opening up oh yes awesome and I hope he continues to come out of that shell because he's very talented. Mm-hmm. It's nothing like holding your newborn book in your hand. Um, I don't care how many times mm-hmm. or how many different books you put out, holding a copy of your new book for the very first time is so um, euphoric. It's so... Yes. <laughs> Yes, That's yes, it's, yes. It's life. Um, it is everything. I I love it. I love having those moments. 
create one. Absolutely. Yes, you start you start trying to find out who, because I'm pretty sure there's other people in North Carolina who would love a poetry thing like that. You know, our people, and they just don't have an outlet. You know, because I heard it's really really country out there. So mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I don't know, but I, I you know, I, coming from New York, everything's probably really really slow. But I would guarantee, yeah. Yeah, but it, you yeah, know, create one. Find you know, find a spot yeah. that they don't mind having y'all. I don't know if you have a house in the backyard. You can always do it in the backyard. I tell you, you tell people free wine, a free wine, and you buy a big old bottle of red wine, and people will come sit and listen. People will recite poems. People will write poetry right there and read it. You know, you'd be surprised because <laughs> if you're looking for it, there's plenty of other people looking for it too. Oh, absolutely. Oh, and we have a caller on the line. Of area code nine eight nine, get on the air with love line. Hello. Hello. Hey, this is Lashawn. Hi. I live out in Flint, Michigan. Hi. How are you? Hi. How you doing? All right. Well, see, our water ain't been fixed for about how long now? Like at least over two years, right? Mm Mhm. Mm-hmm. I was just sitting there thinking, right? Everybody knows about this, okay? Mm-hmm. But for some reason, nothing ain't being done about it, right? So check this out. If I just jerk my dick off. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and then he hung up. Anyway. I tell you, Thank the ignorance. You. That's the, this, and yeah. that's the, those, and those are the kind of people you're like. Please pick up a book, please, because <laughs> you sound like you're oh, really, man. really bored. <laughs> exactly. Um, but you know what? We thank you for calling in anyway, Cray Cray. Yes, but, uh, we do thank you for calling in because the water crisis is a serious thing, and it's everywhere in this country. I'm pretty sure it's really, really bad in Flint, Michigan, but it's something that needs to be talked about because it's all over the country, you know. It's all over the country. Maybe if we start writing poetry about it, putting videos up on Facebook, something will get done, you know. Right. That, I thought that's where he was headed with it. I thought, oh, he's about to tell me to write a poem about Flint. I thought that's where he was going. <laughs> I was thinking too. <laughs> oh Lord, you gotta love it. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I'm sad because we only have five minutes left. But, um, <laughs> I am so enjoying that. <laughs> oh man. No, I I enjoy. I really enjoyed um being on the show. I did. I did. Enjoyed having you, man. It's been great to talk to you, um, and I'd love to keep in touch with you. Um, so, um, can you tell the readers, fellow readers, and listeners out there where they can find out more about you and your work, as well as where they can next see you perform? Um, I don't have any shows scheduled at the moment. But you can follow okay. me on um, Words Left Unspoken on Instagram, Words Left Unspoken 09, um, and on Facebook, Words Left Unspoken as well. Um, 
yeah, those are the two places that you can find me. Blurb.com is where you can purchase the book. You can also go into iBooks to purchase the ebook version. On Blurb.com, you can purchase the hard okay. copy, soft copy, ebook version, and PDF version. And then it's also in the iBook store. Cool. Is it on for all of my Kindle and Note readers? Is it there as well? No, I'm I'm working on it. I mean, you can download you can download the um, ebook through Blurb on um, Blurb.com, and it'll go onto your okay. Kindle. It's you know it's it's oh. for, it's for the Kindles and the iPads, yeah. Okay, they have the complete setup. Cool, cool, cool. Yes, yes. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Fedeline, for coming through. Fedeline, um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no I'm problem. Thank you so much for coming through on the love line tonight. We've had a great time, uh, and I look forward to chatting with you when your next book drops, ma'am. So please keep us updated. Yes, I will. Thank you so much for having me on the show, and I do look forward to chatting with you when my book drops, too. And I'll say congratulations ahead of time for your book release. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Um, it's been a long time coming since I did my own. I've been I've been in the field of working with others with their books for a while. Yeah, so. that's cool. That's and cool. Oh, it's not easy time. writing. You need a clear head and a couple of days. I always say I wish I could just rent a hotel yeah. for some days to just be able to sit I down and write. I always say that, you know. <laughs> you don't yeah. know. And, yeah, you know, because yeah. I'm the spoiled baby, I, I want a room with a, with a um, jacuzzi and whatever and just be able to <laughs> I mean, it has to be fully stuff. loaded. That way when you take breaks, you can really take a break, you know? <laughs> right. Absolutely. So, so I'm actually saving to do something like that because I kind of need that little writer's getaway. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. As I'm sure a lot of us writers do. But, again, thank you so much for calling in and chatting it up with us tonight. And you've been tuned in to the Love Line with Allison. Tonight we had Federine Charles. And stay tuned. Uh, Saturday we will be on with Angie K. Good night, Federine. Good night. Good night.